Thank you. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Our Bibles this morning. Appreciate the music this morning very much. You've all done a great job singing. And uh, I enjoy our college students having them around. And uh, thank you all for your ministry to us today. Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5. The... uh, Launch Point class that opened our service this morning, uh, singing Lift Up the Cross. And, of course, in that message, the message of that song, they sang Lift Up the Cross. They sang Lay Down Your Life. And they uh, sang Let Them See Jesus. And really, it's impossible for people to see the Lord Jesus Christ through us if we're not willing to lift up the cross that God's called us to bear And it really is impossible to live a life of sacrifice and selflessness without laying down our own lives. See, as long as you and I, and this is a temptation for all of us, as long as you and I are committed to glorifying self and satisfying self, or seeking to satisfy our fleshly desires, inevitably we will not lift up the cross, which the cross itself is an emblem of sacrifice. It's an emblem of suffering. It's an emblem of shame, of selflessness. And that's where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he had gone apart from the disciples a little ways, about a stone's throw, to pray. And as he prayed, you remember, as he, being God, knowing what was going to come, and being a a man, uh, a human being, uh, being overwhelmed with what was about to happen the next day, he began to sweat as it were, great drops of blood. And he prayed, and he prayed to his father, if thou be willing, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. We call ourselves Christians, which means little Christ, Christ's followers. We all should answer the question this morning, are we really Christians? Are we really followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, We all know full well that to be born again, it it requires that we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, to be born again. Uh, We all know that just attending a church, uh, coming on a Sunday into a church and being a part of a church service doesn't make us a believer in Christ. Um, uh, and neither does church attendance only, or giving, or, or having some good standards in our lives. Neither does that alone make us Christ followers. Really, to follow our Savior, Jesus Christ, it requires that we're willing to take up our cross, that is, die to self, and follow Christ. And that's what Paul is writing about here in Ephesians chapter 5. We've been studying this chapter and this book, and I want to begin reading in verse number one. Paul had encouraged and challenged, he had commanded the Ephesian church, he said, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. It's pleasing to God, this sacrifice, this selflessness of Jesus. And then in verse 3, and we studied verses 3 down through about verse 7 a couple of weeks ago, Paul warns the Ephesian church against living for self, 
uh, sowing to the flesh. And of course, the Bible tells us that when we sow to the flesh, when we plant seeds to the flesh, we shall, it's inevitable, of the flesh reap corruption, reap literally destruction, not death and hell. A child of God is not in danger of death and hell, but when a child of God chooses to walk in the flesh and seek to fulfill the flesh and we plant seeds to the flesh, inevitably we reap what we sow. And he talks about it in very graphic, using very graphic words. The words of God, he says in verse 3, but fornication, that's uh, sexual immorality between someone who's not your spouse, but fornication and all uncleanness, that's impure thinking, and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. You, you, you're a child of God. You're in Christ. You know better than that. Verse 4, neither filthiness, that's vulgarity, obscenities, of filthiness, nor foolish talking. You remember moron words is where we get foolish talking from, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. Those are pretty strong words, aren't they? I mean, we went through them in detail, so I'll not go all through them again in detail, but they're very, very clear. And the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, writes to the Ephesian church, born-again believers, some who, many of them who've been saved for not very long at all, living in a very wicked, idolatrous city called Ephesus. You remember the temple of Artemis was there, um, uh, an idolatrous, pagan, wicked, godless temple. Um, and uh, that was the culture of the day. And it is no doubt, there's no doubt in my mind that the believers that made up the church at Ephesus used to partake in that lifestyle. That's who they used to be. And remember, we, had, we studied this already in Ephesians. Paul reminded them, about who they used to be. And now he's telling them, not Christ has done all this for you to save you. You are in Christ. He's passed you from death. He's, made you, he's raised you from death unto life. You're not who you used to be anymore. And now he's saying, you shouldn't have anything to do with that old way of living. Which, in a nutshell, is, I'm going to live my life according to my passions and my desires. What I feel like I'm going to do. Uh, and Paul says that should not be a part of your life. Now notice in verse number 8 he continues. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. 
But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. And now we'll, we come to the last verse of this morning's message. And in a sense, he says, wake up. Wake up. In a sense, he's saying, you've been living like you're asleep. You're sleepwalking. You're not thinking. You're not making good choices. Um, he says, you need to wake up. Look at verse 14. Wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give ye light. He'll give you light. He'll use you to be light. He wants he who is light, God, the Spirit of God who lives within us, he wants the light of God to shine forth from us to others so that other people can see Christ in us, a difference from the world, so that others can be saved as well. And he says, I want you to wake up. Let's pray together, and then we'll look at this passage. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning as we study your word. Father, I pray that it would meet needs in every one of our hearts this morning. Father, there are some who maybe we're, we've been lulled into a sleep of some sort. And uh, we're walking just like this world, just like we used to walk. We're starting to think like we used to think. And Father, I pray that you would bring an awakening to our hearts this morning. Father, for others in this room, I pray, who may be very much walking like the world, participating in worldly things, Father, I pray that you bring conviction to our hearts, lest we in our arrogance overlook it. And Father, I pray that you protect us as believers in this room. Uh, Father, we live in this world, and you want us to be here. And you want us to shine as lights in a dark world. And Father, I pray that that would be the case. Use your word to accomplish this, I pray. In Christ's name, I ask these things. Amen. So lift up the cross, lay down your life, and let them see Jesus Christ. You know, if, if uh, having a successful church were just as simple as having a uh, perfectly... Uh, a perfect budget and uh, perfect offerings and a beautiful building and a well-organized uh, service. And all these things can, are wonderful and good and they ought to be there as much as humanly possible. But if only a successful church were just as simple as us putting on our Sunday clothes and coming to church and maybe even being able to do that without arguing in the car on the way to church. Uh, that would be even better. That'd just be icing on top of the, the cake, you know. If only a successful church were as simple as that, a church that honored God and accomplished God's will, if only it were as, as simple as putting on a show for a period of time. Just, just, a, just one day. Well, let's not even do one day. Let's just do the morning service. If, it, we, if we could just accomplish that, uh, wouldn't it be wonderful. If, if we, maybe we could build a bigger building and more ornate, more ornate and more beautiful, would, would having a bigger, more ornate, beautiful building uh, with less dandelions in the lawn, uh, and that's, we, we want that, but if, if that were the case, would that accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in being light to a dark world? The answer is no. We could have the most beautiful church building on the face of the earth 
And there are many church buildings that are beautiful edifices, and there is nothing but death inside of those buildings. They don't even preach the gospel, many of them. So it's not as simple as just having something big and beautiful. Uh, It's not as simple as just, let's just look the part. And really, the Apostle Paul is boiling it down to what God desires, and he's talking to us about our walk. And really what God is emphasizing to us this morning is that the path that we follow is very important to God. The path that you walk is very, very important to God. One day, those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's going to evaluate the lives that we lived on this earth and how we lived the life that he gave to us and entrusted into our care. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. And that's what Paul's talking about in these verses, verse 3 down through verse number 14. And there is this amazing, there's this vivid contrast between a life that you and I can live in the flesh, sowing to the flesh, or a life that you and I can live sowing to the Spirit. And one life is darkness, and one life is light. One life is really not life at all. It's going back and going uh, living according to the lust of our flesh and sowing to the flesh and of the flesh reaping destruction. And the other is true life. It's everlasting life. It's the life that God sent his son to die on a cross to save us so that we could live this life. And I think every one of us understand that. I think every one of us in this room know that there's such a thing as what God desires to see accomplished in our lives and he gave his son to accomplish that. And then there's the you know what, I'm just going to go with the flow and do what I feel like. And, and Paul's talking to these believers, and I can't emphasize enough, lest we sit here this morning in 2018 and think, well, times have changed, and you know, the, the world in which we live is really wicked, and these believers didn't deal with what you and I deal with. Um, the Temple of Artemis uh, was a place of prostitution where they literally had hundreds and hundreds of prostitutes who worked at the Temple of Artemis. That's what it was. And it was at the center of the culture of the city of Ephesus. So there's two things that we need to do. One, we need to identify lust as the enemy. We need to, oh, to identify lust as the enemy. And I, and I remind you that the Bible has a lot to say about flesh, our own wicked flesh. In Romans 7, Paul said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. In Romans 8 and verse 8, he says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And so we who are saved can choose to either obey the Holy Spirit and sow to the Spirit, and of the Spirit reap life everlasting, live a life that is honoring and pleasing to God, or a child of God can sow to the flesh and bring dishonor to his heavenly Father. Even this morning as I was tying Ian's tie, we were talking about something, and 
and words of admonition from my mouth to his ears were, honor your father, Ian. You need to honor your father. And Ian's not a dishonorable boy. He really is a boy who brings great honor to me. But it's possible for you and for me, while Ian ought to honor his father, his earthly father, so too should you and I honor our heavenly father. But when you and I choose to sow to the flesh, when we say no to the Spirit of God and no to his sword, the word of God, we inevitably bring dishonor to our heavenly father. And so sometimes it shows up in, our, in, our, uh, in the way we speak, in the flesh quarreling with one another, saying things that we ought not to say. Sometimes it shows up in our minds and how we think. Sometimes it's even about one another or about authority or leadership in our lives. Sometimes sometimes the flesh shows up in, in, in things that are listed here in this very passage, and Paul brings our attention to these sort of things. But the reality is every single one of us have the flesh that we have to deal with And and he tells us in Romans 8 and verse 13, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. And that's similar to what he tells us in Galatians. Sow to the flesh, and you'll love the flesh, reap corruption. It's very simple. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, don't listen to the deeds of the body, count it as dead, your flesh, he says, ye shall live. If you want to live the everlasting, Spirit-filled, victorious Christian life, if I want to live that life, I'm going to have to say yes to the Holy Spirit. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Galatians tells us that the Holy Spirit within us and our flesh are in opposition to one another. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. There's this battle that's raging even between within the, the, the body of a child of God. Lustly, fleshly living is really not living at all. It is worldly, and it is ungodly, and it is something every one of us are tempted and prone to in our flesh. Every single one of us are prone to it in our flesh. And we need to identify lust, the lust of our flesh, as the enemy. Understand God's command. Look back at verse number 3. But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints... You shouldn't even talk about these things, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient. Remember, I I mentioned that it's convenient. It's natural, even if you just want to go with the flow. But if you want to follow God, it's not convenient to following God. If you're going to say yes to the flesh, it's not at all. It's going to take you the wrong way. But he says, but rather giving of thanks for this, ye know, and this is important. And they knew this. You know this, that no whoremonger, what is, what is that word? It's the Greek word pornos, we get our English word pornography from it, has the idea of immoral sexual sin. He says, you know that no whoremonger nor unclean person, that's impure thoughts and deeds and lusts of the flesh, you know that no whoremonger or unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And you know what? What he's saying is, you know that people who are characterized by this, that's the loss. Go, go look at, go walk by the temple of Artemis and look around for just a moment and you'll see that they're characterized by this. They're unsaved, they're lost, 
They're not indwelt by the Spirit of God. They've not been born again. They have no hope. That's who you used to be. But there's an also another application that we could draw from this. A child of God who chooses to sow to the flesh and falls into this. And we all, we all, we all could fall. There is a losing of reward that takes place. And, and, I can, and we can say, I can state it as simply as this. There is no eternal reward at the judgment seat of Christ for sowing to the flesh. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I don't know that we think about it that simply. We ought to think about it that simply. In this lifetime, when you and I just go with the flow and do what we feel like and follow the world in which we live and follow the lust of our flesh, uh, sir, looking at pornography, ma'am, looking at pornography. Uh, and, and I'm saying that because he uses that very term a couple of times in this passage. In the Greek, he uses that very word. There's no heavenly reward for sowing to the flesh. We're not accomplishing God's will when we're sowing to the flesh. And that's the, that's the point he's making here. And then he says in verse 6, let no man deceive you with vain words. In other words, let nobody tell you any different. That's what he's saying. Don't let anybody look at you and say, you know what? That's just who you are. You just got a godless, wicked temper, and that's just who you are. You're a blower-upper, and you offend everybody in the house, you know, in about 38 seconds, and then you storm off out the door and Everybody just has to live with that, but don't you worry, you're a servant of God. No, you're not. And the truth is, none of us are a servant of God when we're operating in the flesh. That's the truth. That's the simplest point of of this passage. You're not a servant of God if you're walking in the flesh. You know, it's a sad thing, and I think it ought to be a disturbing thing for us uh, whether maybe your ministry is the choir or maybe you work in RU Recovery or, or maybe you're a Sunday school teacher or, or a pastor or, or a deacon or, or your role, whatever it is within the local church, sometimes we think if we can just attain to a, be a participant, to be named in a program, that there we are serving God. Now the truth is you can serve God wonderfully in a program or in, in a ministry within the local church. That's a wonderful thing to be a part of. But the truth is, if I'm doing the program or I'm going through the motions of serving God outwardly, other people can look at me and say, wow, what a servant of God. But God knows my heart, and if I'm operating in the flesh with fleshly motives, I'm not really serving him at all. Does that make sense? So as we look at this passage, uh, God is very interested in our walk. And and it it makes it very simple. It's either the flesh, your walk's either in the flesh or it's it's in the spirit. But it can't be both at once. It's in one or the other. So understand God's command. Uh, He abhors the works of our flesh. His antidote for fleshly actions is walking in the spirit. And God gives an emphasis there in verse 5 that there's a penalty for sin. There's a penalty for walking in the flesh. For an unsaved person who is uh, in bondage to the flesh, unless that person trusts Christ as their personal Savior, they're going to die in their flesh, 
And they're going to be punished for all of eternity in a place called hell. And that's a horrible thing. To the child of God who's saying no to the spirit who lives within us, no to the word of God, and we're sowing the flesh, hell is not in question. We've been saved from that, but we will lose eternal reward. We'll lose eternal reward. And you remember how Peter talked about that? He said, you're actually hurting your own soul. You are destroying your own soul. He talks about that. And so I want to look this morning at a few thoughts as to we need to understand who we are in the Lord. Look at verse number 8. Now read down through verse 14. He says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And you can keep in mind where the temple of Artemis is there in Ephesus. But all things are reproved, uh, that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Uh, in verse number 8, look there again. He says, now are ye light in the Lord. In the middle part of verse number 8. In John chapter 12, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world. In Matthew 5 and verse 14, Jesus told his disciples, Ye are the light of the world. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, John says, This then is the message that which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So there's this tremendous contrast between light and darkness. And the context is between light, walking in the spirit, and darkness, walking in the flesh. When I walk in the flesh, it doesn't matter if the title that I carry is pastor. When I walk in the flesh in front of my children, I'm leading them in darkness. And it's incredibly confusing, by the way. When Pastor Seth walks in the flesh in front of his children. It's incredibly confusing to his children. You would expect that, wouldn't you? They might ask the question in their minds, why would a pastor, how could a pastor fill in the blank? Now the truth is, we're, we all are human beings, aren't we? We all have a flesh. We all can walk in the flesh. But Paul's point is you can also walk in the spirit. You don't have to walk in the flesh Anymore, And so there's this vivid contrast between the flesh and the spirit. I want, to, I want to notice four thoughts this morning will be done. Number one, the light of God has changed our character. The light of God has changed our character. Notice again in verse 8, he says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. The light of God has changed our character. Character is who you are. It's who I am. And if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have received the light, which is God. You have received the light. Uh, John chapter 1, the Bible talks about how the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And you remember how it says there that the Word of God, Jesus Christ, came into the world and they would not receive Him. And then it says in verse 12, But as many as have received Him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, 
even to them that believe on his name. And so when a person receives Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they pass from death unto life. They pass from being the sons of Satan or the children of the devil to being the children of God. And our character is changed. Notice again in verse 8 there, it, it doesn't say that we used to live in darkness. He says, ye were sometimes darkness. You were darkness. I was darkness. I wasn't just living in darkness. I was part of the problem. As children of light, there's no excuse for living immoral lives. And it is true, according to Exodus chapter 20, that the sins of the Father can be passed down to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. But it is also true that God can save. And he can change a man. And that man can choose to uh, obey the leading of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in humility, submitting himself to that Word, and lead his family and chart a different course. That is also possible. And there are many testimonies of that in this very room. And many of us in this room would say, That's part, I'm part of that. I, I, I lived for the world. I lived in the world. I was a rebel against God. I was part of the darkness. And God changed my life. You see, professing believers that continually live immoral lives are demonstrating that perhaps they're not a child of God at all. Where's the fruit? We're not who we were. We're not darkness anymore. But now, he says, are ye light in the Lord. And so he gives the command, walk as children of light. You see, we're not who we used to be. To walk as children of light means to live before the eyes of God without hiding anything. To live before the eyes of God without hiding anything. I can remember being in college as a freshman and my mom wrote me a letter. And in that letter she quoted from a passage of scripture. It was a, it's a proverb and... and uh, And and the proverb states this, uh, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I can remember being very convicted (laughs) by that. It was one of those things where I kind of like looked around the room like, Is she here? The wicked flee. They hide. They slink around. When nobody's pursuing them, The dean of the college thinks you're a good kid. He doesn't know any better, but you do. The wicked flee when no man pursue it, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. They don't have to slink around. They don't have to hide. You see, to walk as a child of light means I don't have to slink around. I have nothing to hide. Look. I got nothing to hide. And that is a blessed way to live. That is a glorious way to live. That is part of the inheritance that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go ahead and look. Examine my life. Look at my family. Look at our our marriage. It's okay. You can look. Because we have nothing to hide. And you know, that's, that's what God saved you to be. You and me to live like. If someone were to come and pick up your phone, sir, and begin to look through it, would you have this pit in the depth of your stomach, like what if he clicks on something, or what if something, what if he knows how to navigate my phone better than me? 
I think it's gotten to the point in our society today where even so-called believers are willing to post this and that on Facebook, things that are ungodly and blatantly fleshly, and we don't seem to care. That's a, that's a terrible place to be. No, I'm not sure what's worse, the believer who, a supposed believer who doesn't even think about, am I saying yes to the Spirit of God? What would God want me to do? Well, I'm not sure what's worse, the believer who doesn't fear God at all and just is living like the world, or the believer who is, is, is habitually living in sin and hiding and slinking around deceptively. What's worse? I'm not sure. They're both very, very bad. And the reality is both of those believers are living and walking in the flesh. And I've been there. And you've been there too. And Paul's saying to the church at Ephesus, you've been there. And some of you are there. And it really is repulsive. And you really have no business walking like this. Because you've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He lives within you. So the light of God has changed our character. Light reveals God. Uh, The light, Christ in us, the Spirit of God in us, when we say yes to him, it actually reveals God to those around us. That's what my children need to see. They need to see the Lord Jesus Christ through me. In Matthew 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Is that even a concern to us this morning? And you know, I don't, who cares about the Facebook post? Facebook is not a problem. The flesh is the problem, you see. A person who's walking the Spirit can have a Facebook page and and be a tremendous light to those around them. But if I choose to use my Facebook page or my radio, or radios are so out of date, I know. But you see, the problem is the flesh. The the things change. The stuff changes. The tools change. But the, the battle has always been between the Spirit of God and the flesh. That's my flesh. The Spirit of God in the flesh. Which one is winning out in you? Is light shining through your life? Are they seeing your good works and bringing glory and, to God who's in heaven? Or are they seeing you and, and saying, wow, they're no different than me? Or, wow, here, here they go again. They're going off again. It's your flesh. You see, do you love the light of the Word of God? Or does the light of the Word of God really bother you? John 3 and verse 20 says, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth uh, doeth truth, and that's what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to perform it, live it out. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. I, I don't know about you, but I don't know too many of us who like being reproved. I don't know too many of us who like that. I remember working for a man at one point in my life, and, and uh, I traveled for him, and I, in a sense, was a salesman at, that, a salesman at that time in my life. And so he would go through the presentation, and he gave it to me, and I would have to learn it, and I would have to get it all down, and then I would perform it. We'd be in a room, and, and uh, he, would have, he had this yellow tablet my staff likes to tease me because sometimes I'll use yellow tablets and I like to write things down. Well, he had a yellow tablet and, and he'd put a line right down the middle and he'd put, done well, needs work. And then he'd sit there with the yellow tablet and I'd be doing, I'd be doing the presentation and he'd write the things I was doing well and the things that needed work. And then after it was all done, I remember the first time I went to sit down, he said, no, you go ahead and stand back up there 
And in front of my peers, he went down, Seth, you did this well, you did this well, you did this well. They were only about three things. And he was really stretching and reaching to find up with three positive things. And then he went down the list of the things that I needed to work on. You know what? I hated it. In front of my peers, what I hadn't done well. Nobody likes being told what we're not doing well. You know what? We as husbands and wives, we as who, those of us who are married, we ought, to, we ought to treasure our spouse. And if they come to us and say, hey, you know what? I think you could have spoken to Olivia a little bit different, different than you did. I think you were too hard on her. Or maybe I don't think you were hard enough on her. You know what? I ought to respond. I ought to, I ought to take that from my wife, and she ought to take that from me. We ought to work together. There ought to be some humility. It's really a sad thing when, when we are not willing to receive admonition or instruction or sometimes reproof or sometimes rebuke, not from somebody, but not even from, the, from God himself. And a mark of somebody who's saved, a mark of somebody who's walking the light is someone who is willingly receiving what God says in his word. He that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. A child of God that is walking the light is choosing not to partner with darkness. So first of all, the light of God has changed our character. Secondly, the light changes our conduct. Light changes our conduct. Look at verse number nine. Now, keep in mind verse eight. He says, you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then you see verse 9 is a parenthetical thought, which really is a beautiful definition of what it means to walk in the light. Our character has been changed. We are, we are children of light. We're children of God. Verse 9 describes how we ought to conduct ourselves. Verse 9 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So, a definition of walk as children of light is goodness and righteousness and truth. And you could even simplify it more than that. Uh, a definition of walking in the light is the fruit of the Spirit. They're one and the same. For me to walk in the light means that the Spirit of God within me is bearing fruit through my life. Uh, Take your Bibles and go back to Galatians chapter 5 for just a moment. We're not far away. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now remember, we used to be darkness, but we used to walk in darkness, but we don't do that anymore because the light of God has changed our conduct. Okay, The, the child of the light will display the characteristics of the light. If we're a child of God will display the character of God. I'll tell you, when, when pressures come to bear in your life, what comes out? Is it your flesh? Or is it the character of God? I'm going to ask that again. Are you listening to me? When things get hard in your life, when, when the day isn't going the way you want it to go, what comes out? Is it the flesh or is it the spirit? Now, this is something, it doesn't just, you could, we could all walk the aisle of the day and kneel here at the front and say, Lord, I want to walk in the light. I want the fruit of the spirit to be evident in my life. But this is something that has to become a discipline. This is something that you and I have to make a decision on. 
when things aren't going our way, what is my response? Do I respond in the flesh? And that's where the decision comes. I can respond in the flesh and I can give them what I think they really deserve. Or I can respond and say, yes, Lord. And I can respond in the spirit. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Or I can just level the boom. And that can be true when you're all alone and there you are on your personal computer, which we call a phone now. And, and, you're, and you're just checking some scores, or maybe you're just checking the weather, and all of a sudden, the tempter comes, the devil tempts you, or maybe your flesh is weak in that area, and you're all alone, and there's nobody there, and you've got a bunch of stress and pressures in your life. How do you respond? Maybe you're not a blower-upper, but you go to the flesh, the idol of your life, to bring satisfaction and peace and comfort and distraction for just a few minutes. And it's really idolatry. That's what the Temple of Artemis was all about. That's what it was all about. We don't have a Temple of Artemis in Flushing, do we? We all have a cell phone. Same thing. Same thing. I'm not preaching against the cell phone. You all understand that's not the problem, is it? I've got one. That's not the problem. But when we choose to walk in our flesh, it takes us down a path that is just as wicked and just as corrupt as what it was in Ephesus in those days. And Paul's talking to the same. He's saying, he's saying what the truths he was writing down are eternal truths or the words of God. You see, the light of God change, has changed our character. It also changes our conduct. You're in Galatians 5. Look at verse number 22. And remember, to walk in the, spirit, or to walk in the light is synonymous with the Spirit of God bearing fruit in our lives. So look at the fruit. Uh, of the Spirit here in verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, that sacrificial love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Verse 23, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So the light changes our conduct. The conduct of a believer, the fruit of the Spirit, is the best evidence that a person is truly saved. Are you a child of God? Uh, uh, hold your place in Galatians 5 for just a moment. Look back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Back in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, look at verse number 17. Verse 17. He says, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth, from now on, because you're saved, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Don't walk as an unsaved person. Verse 18, he says, having the, under, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, they've grown calloused, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, that is, all forms of sexual depravity, unbridled lust. Living my life according to my passions and my desires. That's what he's talking about here. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And then in verse 20 he says, but ye have not so learned Christ. What Paul is saying is, look at the cross. Look at the, at the Lord Jesus Christ. You know better. Christ didn't do that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was under immense stress and under immense pressure, he prayed to his Heavenly Father, and he said, 
Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And that's where we need to be in our, in our walks with God as well. And in moments of temptation, our response needs to be that of Christ. Not my will, God, but yours be done. And in, and in moments at, at, uh, in the workplace when everything, all the pressures are coming down on you and you're, you're starting to percolate, you know, and you can blame about three or four or five people for why it's not going the way it ought to go and you're about to walk in the flesh, you have to be willing to say, not my will, even if I come out looking bad in all of this, not my will, but thine be done. I'm going to walk in the light and the fruit of the Spirit is going to come out of my life. See, that's what God desires. The light of God has changed our character. The light of God has changed our conduct. Light reveals God. God is light. And light produces fruit. And it's the fruit of God. Folks, that's what we need more of in this world today. What we need is a more more organization in our programs. Hey, listen, I'll be the first one to say we need more organization, okay? But ultimately, more organization, flesh organization or better budgets in the flesh, will not accomplish the work of God. More beautiful buildings, better facilities, no dandelions, ultimately will not accomplish the will of God. You know what will? God's people walking in the light. That will accomplish the work of God. So, the light of God has changed our character, it's changed our conduct. Thirdly, the light reveals what is acceptable. The light of God reveals what is acceptable. Look at verse 10, back in Ephesians chapter 5. We're coming back to Galatians. Hold your place there for just a little bit longer. Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 10. He says, proving what is acceptable unto the, unto the Lord. And that's what I just said. What will accomplish God's will? What, we could say it this way, what is acceptable to God? Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, hey, is this... Is it okay if I listen to this? When I used to preach at, I uh, used to preach quite a bit at youth camps, and the young people, teenagers, would come up to me and say, uh, Evangelist Ferguson, uh, do you think this music's okay? And really what they were asking was, is this acceptable to God? What is acceptable to God? What's acceptable to God is the fruit of the Spirit. That's acceptable to God. What the Spirit produces is acceptable to God. What my flesh produces, are you following me, is not acceptable to God. You know, these truths should influence what we watch. They really should. They should influence what we listen to. But you know what, really, those things, if we would get to the heart and understand what God is after, it it wouldn't be a matter of, is it okay for me to watch them when they're wearing that? Is it okay for me to listen to watch that movie when they're swearing like that? Is that okay? I mean, it's just a few times. You know, it's, they're trying to be as true to life as possible. No, what we would be asking ourselves is, is this of my flesh? Is it my flesh that is enjoying this? Or is it the Spirit of God within me who's enjoying this? Are you following me? This is kind of hard, isn't it? And, and that's why, you know, I don't have to go down a list of things. You know, Pastor Ferguson approved viewing Whatever that would look like. You're like, oh, please tell me, Pastor. I really want to know. You don't really want to know. The music list approved by the pastoral staff of... Who cares? 
you have the Spirit of God living within you who will guide you into all truth. I don't know if I should say who cares what Pastor Ferguson thinks, right? I don't know if I should say that. But you know what, really, what you, you and I need to be most concerned about is what is, what, how would the Spirit of God lead me in this way? The light of God reveals what is acceptable to God. You're, look back to Galatians 5, thir, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. And I'm going to read down through a few verses here, and I want you to see the contrast here between the flesh and what it does and the Spirit of God and what he does. Verse 13 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, that's from the law, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. So just because we don't have a list of rules of approved what you can do and what you can't do, when you, have, when you can go out uh, over in Israel when we were there, on a particular day, uh, they propped the automatic doors open because to abide by the Orthodox Judaism, of, of even of our day, still uh, using electricity in that way when it was against the law. And so, you know, at one point I'm standing there and I'm looking around, and I think I actually moved the trash can that was holding the door, you know, and somebody came back and moved it back, and I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute, got to get this right, you know. And we don't, we don't have that. We're not under the law. But just because we're not under the law doesn't mean that we can use our liberty to, to sow to the flesh. And he actually says it that way. But by love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, that would be fleshly, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You say, you know what, I'm just, I just keep going back to the flesh. That Pastor Ferguson, that's just what I do. If you'll walk in the Spirit, if you'll say yes to the Spirit, when you, when you, and you have to submit to Him, you have to surrender to Him, you have to agree with Him. You may not always understand, but you have to say yes to Him. It's going to cost you something and me something. But when we say yes to the Spirit and we walk in the Spirit one truth at a time, He literally says, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And for some of us, that means you're, you're going to stop looking and lusting after certain things. And for others of us, it's going to mean we're going to stop blowing up at one another and hurting one another and devouring fellow believers. You see, if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Notice that if you're not led of the Spirit, you are under the law. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Here we go. This is a glorious list. Adultery, fornication, sex outside of marriage, uncleanness, wicked thinking, lasciviousness, unbridled lust, idolatry, that's covetousness, witchcraft, uh, hatred, Variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such the like. That's not even the whole list, is what he's saying. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. What is he, what is he saying? Unsaved people are characterized by this list, and they don't go to heaven. Unsaved people don't go to heaven. But you're saved. 
you are going to heaven. You're indwelt by the Spirit of God. And so he says in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. See, the light reveals what is acceptable. The light reveals what is acceptable. I don't have time to read it, but in Acts chapter 16, I think it starts in verse 6 and goes down through verse 34, there's an amazing illustration of what we're talking about. The flesh desiring something and the Spirit of God leading to something else. And the illustration is a very positive one. The Apostle Paul, I believe he was on his second missionary journey. And Paul, the Bible says there in, in, in Acts chapter 16, the Bible says that Paul was a saying or he was desiring to go to Asia to preach the gospel. Now, is that a bad thing to go preach the gospel? Is it a bad thing? Yes or no? No, it's a good thing. But the Spirit of God, the Bible tells us in Acts 16, forbid him. Paul, you can't do it. What? And so guess what? Paul obeyed the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God led Paul to Philippi. And they, came, they come to Philippi, and they, they, they come down to the river there in Philippi, and they met Lydia, who was a businesswoman in Philippi. Guess where Lydia was from? Thyatira, which was, which was at that time in Asia. Did you know that? Wait a minute. Paul wanted to go to Asia to preach the gospel. The Spirit of God said, no, I know better. You follow me. God, uh, God took Paul to Philippi, and he meets somebody from Asia in Philippi, who you can imagine she would have taken the gospel back to Asia, Thyatira. So she trusted Christ. She believes upon the Lord. Then they meet a damsel, a young girl, who is possessed by an evil spirit, who is being used by somebody else, some other men, for their own personal gain. And the Apostle Paul, uh, by the Spirit of God, that young girl is delivered from that evil spirit. And Paul and Silas are thrown into prison in Philippi. And, and there they are in, in the prison in Philippi, and then you remember the, birth, the big earthquake comes, and the, the doors are opened, and the Philippian jailer takes out his sword, and he's about to thrust himself through with a sword, and Paul cries out, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they say, Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And he takes him back to his house, and, and the Bible says the Philippian jailer was saved, and all of his family were saved and baptized. Paul wanted to go to Asia. The Spirit of God said, no, I want you to go to Philippi. And the church at Philippi is birthed. Uh, Lydia, I would imagine, goes back to Thyatira, the seller of purple, with the gospel with her. You see, here's the point. God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are better than our ways. And sometimes even, maybe it's not a, we wouldn't even hardly identify it as a fleshly desire, not all fleshly desires are wicked, in, in, at least in Paul's case. He's thinking, you know, I'm going to go to Asia to preach the gospel. But the Spirit of God said, no, I know better. I want you to go here. And Paul listened to him, and God blessed the Apostle Paul in an amazing way. You see, the light always reveals what is acceptable. Look at verses 11 and 12, and we'll be done here this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. The last thought is that light demands separation. So the light of God has changed our character. The light changes our conduct. The light reveals what is acceptable. And the light demands separation. Look at verses 11 and 12. He says this. 
Ephesians 5. He says, and have no fellowship, have no partnership with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Verse 12, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. Paul's talking to believers who are living in Ephesus, and he says, listen, you have no business partnering with the unfruitful fleshly works of darkness with worldliness. You have no business being a part of it. Why? Because you're different. You used to be darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You know, to, to reprove unfruitful works of darkness doesn't mean that we have to get our biggest family Bible and walk around, you know, and maybe stand in the grocery aisle, the, the beer aisle at the Kroger, you know, and, and wave our fingers at people. No, no, I didn't say that. Or maybe uh, you see something and you shout it out across the, the zoo down in Detroit to shed light on some sort of darkness. That's not what I'm talking about. Here's the thing. If you and I, it's just, it's going to happen. If you and I will walk in the light, the Spirit of God is bearing fruit through our lives. You know what's going to happen? It does reprove darkness. Light reproves darkness. It just happens. You don't have to be mean-spirited. You, you know, the, the fighting fundamentalist, you know. Uh, let the fighting Irish have that. We don't need to be like that. We can smile and be happy. We're, we're, we're saved. We're, we've been freed from darkness. God's people ought to be the kindest people on the face of the earth. You know that? Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. There ought to be nobody on this earth more kind and more loving than God's people. But the reality is if you and I are going to walk in the light, it's going to reprove darkness. John the Baptist did that. Herod the Great had a couple of sons and among other children. Herod the Great was quite the guy. Um, He built a lot of amazing things during his time. Uh, his son, one of his sons, Philip, was going to be the next. He was the heir apparent. And he was quite, he was the best of Herod the Great's sons. He had another son, Herod Agrippa, who ended up, uh, Herod the Great changed his will, and Herod Agrippa got to be the next guy instead of Philip. And Herod Agrippa reigned for about 43 years during the time when Jesus Christ and John the Baptist were there ministering. And he reigned over Perea and the area, region of Galilee and those, that part of the, the world. And uh, Herod, the, Herod Agrippa was not a good man at all. He was antagonistic. He was uh, always perceiving that people were out to get him. He had people killed for no reason at all, okay? And he liked his brother Philip's wife, Herodias. And he liked her so much that they started an affair together. And then she was quite a woman. She wasn't satisfied, and I say that in a negative way. She wasn't satisfied with just being rich and wealthy and married to Philip. She wanted to be somebody politically and so she left her husband, Philip, and she ran off with his, with his half-brother, Herod Agrippa. And uh, this all happened during the lifespan of John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist condemned it. He said, it's adultery what you're doing. It's wrong. It's sin. Herodias hated John the Baptist. I think Herod Agrippa probably could have let it go, but Herodias, the, the, wife of, the now adulterous wife of Herod Agrippa, she couldn't let it go. And for ten months, she schemed, coming up with a plot to kill John the Baptist. And she finally did. You remember, he, she had his head severed and brought to her on a platter. John the Baptist. And I just say that to say this. To walk in the light is going to cost you something. I don't think it'll cost any of us that. 
But there may come a day where to preach the word of God may cost me something greater than it cost me now. And for you to walk in the light and train up your children may, may, may cost you something. People might look at you and say, do you, believe, do you believe the standard they have for their kids? They don't let their kids do this. They don't let them do that. You know what? Your concern is not what people think. My concern ought not be what people think. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But you know what? We must walk in the light. And that's the command here. He says, follow God. Walk in love. And walk in the light. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Father, I pray as we leave this place this morning that we would walk 